So for those of you who aren't regular visitors here, I normally talk a lot with my hands and move a lot. And so either I am restrained by being behind the pulpit or I'm restrained by losing half of my gesticulating vocabulary. So here we are, we're gonna try this and see if it works. <clears throat> so we have two interesting passages today in the Bible, right? These are our scripture readings for today. And there are a number of things about the Matthew reading in particular that are problematic in view of history and in view of our ears today. You know, one thing that's problematic about it is it's hard to escape this notion that Jesus is judging the Jews and saying, hey, you're going to be crushed and everything's going to be taken away from you. In light of history of Christianity, it's important to recognize that this is a problem. And I'm not going to be here to solve that problem today, but I want to recognize us to recognize that when we think of anti-Semitism in the world, and we've seen a lot of it breaking out these days, um, sort of with the excuse of what the state of Israel has been doing in Gaza, it's important to remember this does not come from nowhere for us. That our scriptures are not purely innocent. There are ways to read them in good and bad. And so with that note, I'll say the other thing that strikes me as odd in this is this entire idea of the landowner, right? How many of you are fully comfortable with the story here that the landowner sort of rents off his land and then comes back later on from wherever he is to collect the fruit. Is that sitting well with you? I mean, it doesn't say, it sits well with a lot of people saying, well, they entered into a contract, you know, and presumably he's not going to take all of uh, the fruit, just a portion of it as, as part of the payment. But it's a little bit uncomfortable to our ears. And so, you know, the way I look at this parable is that it's not necessarily a way for us to interpret uh, the goodness or badness of the landowner. It's a way to make the idea of God's creation more accessible to the people that Jesus is talking to here. And so that's a, a way we need to look at that. We need to look at that and say, this is allegory. This is a story about the history of Israel. And in this story, God has given us, has given people, has given all of those who are rich in faith in God some kind of control over land and some kind of sort of duty to help people as well as creation, move towards the world that God would like to see. And from time to time, as happens in the Hebrew Bible, prophets are sent saying, hey, maybe you should try a different technique. Saying, well, maybe this is not the best way to raise the vines. And hey, let's remember who gave you this land in the first place. Those are prophets sent by God saying, this is God's creation. These are God's people. Are you sure you are doing the right thing with them? Or are you taking them for yourself? If you read the prophets in Amos and Micah, you see this brought to life. You see the wrongs done to the strangers in the midst of Israel. And you see the poor that are stolen from to aid the rich. And that is something that causes more pain and more suffering. And God is saying, the fruits of the vines, these people that are my children, are my children, and not yours to do with as you please. And the history of the Old Testament goes through this over and over again, of people failing to live up to God's expectations. 
And so that is the context in which Jesus comes and Jesus says, and now even God's son will be here and will be rejected. And God will judge you. Now luckily for all of us, things got a lot better after Jesus and we started listening to God all the time and we never found ourselves pushing people out that we thought didn't deserve things. We didn't find ourselves putting our own story first, and we didn't find ourselves killing one another in order to get their things. Aren't we lucky? Okay, that was a joke. Thank you. No, of course, we keep on doing it. We keep on listening to these words and not fully understanding what they mean. And that's why it is a useful thing that the lectionary writers did. And those of you who don't know what a lectionary is, we have a schedule of readings that we did not put together that uh, is called the Revised Common Lectionary. And the idea is, on this World Communion Sunday, um, that it's a schedule so that different congregations and different denominations can read basically the same texts every week. So that if you want to go to your friend who is a Lutheran or an Episcopalian and have a conversation about it, you, you can do that. And sometimes the lectionary writers are struggling to find an Old Testament passage that fits with a New Testament passage. And all the preachers down stand up there and scratch their heads and say, why am I doing this? Why am I beholden to these anonymous lectionary writers? But today it's great, because today we have this story of all the messengers sent by God, right? And we have the story about uh, Jesus saying, look, you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention to the messages of God, and at the same time, we have in the Old Testament reading in Exodus, the greatest message sent by God of all time. We have the message that God personally delivered to us on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. And so if you're ever wondering, you know, what is it that Jesus expects of us? What was it that Jesus wanted the tenant farmers to do? What was it that causes us to live into God's kingdom? Well, here we are. And not only here we are, but we also know why, based on these Ten Commandments, God is saying what God is saying. Because if you look at the Ten Commandments, if you look at them in your bulletin, they can sort of be categorized in two ways. Love God, love your neighbor. The first half of them are all about loving God, putting God first, not creating idols, and not just sort of clay figurines but idols, not worshiping money, and status, and power, and fashion, and football, right? And then also loving your neighbor, showing respect to your father and mother, loving one another, not stealing, not murdering, saying these are part of God's creation. And if you look at those, you say, well, why is it that we do these things. We recognize that they're good. But for instance, why does God care that we love God? It's a fair question. It's a question atheists ask all the time. Why does God care? We can easily imagine a benevolent and loving God that does not demand worship. Again, get into a couple of arguments with atheists. This comes up frequently. So what's the importance of worshiping God? Humility is one of them, right? It is good to recognize that we were created. We are people that came from somewhere. 
It is good to recognize that we are loved. And there is a parent that loves us, and we remember that every week and every day. But the other thing that it reminds us of is it shows us what it means in the context of loving one another. Because if we remember to thank God and respect God and have no gods before us, we do not mistake the world around us for something that we own, for something that is ours to do with as we please. If we remember that it is God's, then we remember that the people in this world are God's also. The things in this world are God's also. And so, in this world, as we recognize and love God, we recognize that the story does not begin with us. The story does not begin in the things that we have here on earth. The story does not begin in the people that are around us. And most importantly, it does not end when our stories end. When we are gone from here, our stories go on just as they went on before we were here. God reminds us. We worship God to know that we are part of a bigger story. We worship God to remember that the story goes on, began in creation, and ends at the end of time only. And so the things that we do with one another, whether we love one another or whether we punish one another, are things that go on through history. These things matter. We will have to live with how we treat one another, and history will judge us for how we treat one another, and so will God. And so the importance of worshiping God is remembering that we are part of God's family, and we are part of God's story, and that if we think any other way, we are fooling ourselves. For if we think that the story begins in us, and ends in us, then we become subject to all the stories of the people around us. If they are to do with as we please, then we are to do with as they please. And that is a terrifying world. That is a world of chaos and of pain. But that is not the world that we live in. We live in the world where God loved us so much that God kept on sending messengers, one after another one, even when we failed them. The messengers kept coming and kept coming until God said, I myself will come down on earth among you, walking as one of you, showing you how much I love you. Emmanuel, God with us. And in this place, that is why we have no other gods before us. That is why we take care of the vineyard. That is why we care for one another and serve people outside of this church. Because we are part of God's story, and this is the greatest story ever told. Amen.